0: This is R. J. Rushdoony, easy chair number 366, July fifth, nineteen 1996. In this session, Douglas Murray, Andrew Sandlin, Mark Rushdoony, and I will discuss the subject of maturity. In recent weeks, a number of uh, periodicals have touched on the subject of the loss of maturity among adults. The goal seems to be, on the part of many adults, one of perpetual childhood. And it is beginning to affect our culture tremendously. We see a growing loss of maturity and inability to... Think sensibly and logically and a childishness that is becoming endemic in our society. The inability to think maturely is a very, very serious matter. One of the things that is apparent increasingly is that people will not think logically. Their attitude is, why does it have to be so? Why can't it be the way I said it? In other words, their wishes are confused with possibilities. As a result, they're childish. Now, childishness is a lack of maturity. It is an unwillingness to grow up. It's an unwillingness to cope with the problems of life. It's an insistence on living in a dream world. Well, we have a population now that lives in a dream world. The world of television, soap operas, the world of film and TV fare, which gives us endless impossibilities... We really have a fairyland presented over and over again in films and in uh, television. In some instances, it's really amazing. It's so amazing, it's interesting because it involves such uh, remarkable technical film work. Arnold Schwarzenegger taking on what amounts to an army coming through unscratched and everybody else dead this is the world of fairy tales but we want fairy tales that are grimly realistic as far as blood and uh, death are concerned and yet still fairy tales all this indicates a people who want to remain children, who want to live in a world of fantasy, in a world of their imagination. We have a curious fact in that uh, because of the decline of reading or reading skills, television and films have replaced reading You have a growing functional illiteracy in the population. One federal statistic says 76 million. And yet, curiously, you have a tremendous boom boom in the sale of romances. (laughs) (laughs) And you have a tremendous sale in the... uh, in the realm of novels of blood and guts fiction. Both are equally romantic and unrealistic. Uh, The Schwarzenegger type of film is as much in the world of romance as the writings of the uh, paperback romances that Fill many paperback bookstores. Both represent a loss of maturity in our culture. We see that loss of maturity every week in churches, in that the kind of preaching is childish. That's right. And I do mean childish. Absolutely. You wonder how people can put up with with such drivel and I'm talking not only about evangelical churches, but modernists. Some of the modernists have the most abysmally meager preaching imaginable. That's There's no content to it. It's all entertainment. And a great deal of the uh, very popular evangelical preaching in some parts of the country is also entertainment. This tells us we are living in the midst of a generation of childish people. And when people are childish, the culture has no future. Isaiah prophesied judgment on a generation when children rule over the people. And by children he meant really uh, childish and immature people. But it has become children now, really, who rule, who have temper tantrums, who can do as they please and the courts hear them. So we have an ugly situation. There are cases now when parents... And I first heard of this years ago, but now it's much more common, threaten their parents with court action unless they make some kind of restitution to them for having spanked them once, once, 15 or 20 years ago. Yes. Of such a generation, it is hard to say anything good.
1: Well, Hillary Clinton's an advocate of this, you know, because it makes more work for lawyers. Anything that makes more work for lawyers, <laughs> they pick it up and run with it. But th- this this whole thing that you're talking about it really is regressive behavior, but uh, it has several sides to it, and uh, I think the reasons are somewhat complex. I was going to mention earlier when you're talking about the, the uh, child is preaching that... Um, I almost think that churches are going to have to, uh, will resort at some point to Nielsen ratings so they can see how they're doing like television programs do. But, uh, we've had a lot of things happening in our society, uh, uh, in the past generation, uh, 30 years or so. And, uh, elders have been relegated to irrelevance. Right. And children are being taught in the public schools that what their parents Say and think and stand for is no longer relevant in the, in the current, uh, uh, day. So, uh, many people have given into this. Parents have given into this instead of putting their kids in Christian school and taking charge of their kids' education. Uh, they've given into it and they feel, uh, not very useful, not very important. And, uh, they've given in very easily to the government's, uh, uh Taking away their, uh, uh their headship in, in the family. And, uh, the reason is that they want to interrupt that chain of, uh, information and values that have been handed down, that are handed down from generation to generation. That's so right. the government wants to inject itself in the process and dictate the the values or lack of them
2: he wants to be the new parent
1: yeah, yeah. they invent new values um, we're often confused by the term uh, family values what it means to us and what it means to yeah. uh, the secular society are two different things uh, to them family values are the uh, the uh, uh, the structure between uh, same-sex uh, 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 partners that are, uh, uh, are raising a child and uh, so it means something entirely different and people are confused by the terms but the game is is the government wants to take control uh, get total control and in order to do that they have to break the chain of handed down wisdom and uh, values from parents to children and they've been pretty successful at it as we see we've got kids seven eight years old killing each other committing murders and with no remorse without the slightest uh... bit of remorse so we've got we've got a uh... uh, a generation now coming up of uh... what the the seculars call sociopaths but they are children who have become disconnected from their, uh, from their family structure and, uh, they're, they're subject to the whims of whatever, uh, society tells them is right and they make it up on the spot. The kids make it up on the spot, uh, and society makes it up on the spot.
2: Well, we suffer from the cult of romanticism. It was Wordsworth who said the child is father of the man. Yes. It was the worship of the innocent child. I mark down here is quickly several characteristics of children that these adolescent adults manifest. One is an obsession with fashions. You've ever seen sixty-seven, eighty-year-old people dressing in these foolish uh, you know seventy-year-old ladies out on Harley motorcycles and all leisure suits and all this sort of uh, (laughs) uh, repugnant nonsense. Another is irresponsibility which Rush alluded to. Mm -hmm. Children tend to be irresponsible. They have to be taught responsibility and many adults are irresponsible the throwing of temper tantrums of course and uh, just self-centeredness and there's so many adults that are like that they don't want to serve others they're self-centered
1: well the signs of the times are the bumper stickers like we're spending our children's inheritance
2: yeah,
1: exactly
2: absolutely curdles me whenever I see it and another one this is a remarkable one if you if you know children and I Mark certainly does Younger children especially are exhibitionists. They like to put on shows. And immediately I thought of this repulsive, uh, in, in the religious sphere, the Christian sphere, so-called Christian sphere, this this Toronto blessing. The barking, uh, you know, uh, adults falling down and barking like dogs and roaring like lions and all that sort of thing. The Toronto blessing, which John Mark Bertude calls the Toronto curse, um, but we see that in in the broader culture. I mean, people just wanting to get attention for themselves as adults. Well, that is a childhood characteristic. They're reverting back to childhood. Biblical faith is always the, to press on to maturity. I mean, as Rash you're dealing in the Book of Hebrews right now and the Sunday morning teaching, and that is one of the chief themes: is push on to maturity. But the modern evangelical church becomes obsessed with children and the the the, uh, the conversion experience, wanting to relive the days when they had real fire in their hearts for God, which is to say they want to live for emotion and intuition, which yeah. also is a childhood trait, uh, governed by feelings rather than by reason and ultimately by the Word of God. So I think in these areas and a lot of others, uh, this is a demonstrates the severe problem that we have as far as immaturity in, in modern culture.
1: Well, the question in my mind is, why do people give up so easily? Why do they give up their prerogatives of raising their, their children and uh, passing on the values that they were given by their parents, uh, why do people give up so easily?
2: I'll tell you one reason I think, and I just wrote something about this for the report that will be published soon. People hate freedom. They like security more than freedom. It's going to cost them something to do that. And they would rather have the security of uh, watching a lot of television or just feeling good about themselves rather than exercising their their freedom as parents and their responsibility to train their children up in the faith. Plus, of course, there's the self-centeredness involved. They don't care about their children. They hate their children, um, which the Bible indicates if they don't discipline them well. But I think there are a lot of reasons
3: for that. It's And there's a safety in going along with prevailing ideas for raising children. If you have no strong opinions on, on what is expected of a child, how you should treat a child then you go along with the prevailing opinion. Boy,
1: yeah, well, well, that happens so many times. consequences of this are already evident. Yeah. And uh, older people who have raised children are not safe to walk the streets. They can't live in the city anymore. They're afraid to go outside. I would think it would be start to hit home at some point.
2: Well, there are indications. You know, I hear sometimes uh, even secular psychologists on television saying, Benjamin Spock was wrong. We do need discipline. Of course, they don't have any biblical basis for saying it. It's just intuitive. Uh, but it's, it's uh, empirical, too. They, they see what has happened. Just in real estate, the
0: difference between some years ago, mid-century and now, tells us a great deal about what children mean. At one time, to have a house near a school was considered an asset. And uh, the real estate ads would speak about its proximity to schools and uh, how close it was. Now, it is no longer an asset because the children going and coming are such a headache. They are a disturbance. They are... Uh, producers of trash and uh, they do damage to things?
1: Well, you have to wear a bulletproof vest when you go out to pick out the morning paper. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, and metal detectors in the schools, of course. Mm-hmm. Check the guns and so forth. No,
1: I, I would think that, uh, you know, the uh, the baby boom generation uh, that the light bulbs ought to, ought to start going on. When you hear the gunfire in the street and you see in the evening news that kids seven eight years old are committing murder without remorse and that we have a generation of uh, sociopaths or stone-cold killers coming up, but it doesn't seem to be sinking well, in. Well,
2: there are all sorts of news programs on TV talking about this very thing. What are we going to do about it? There is this epidemic you know, of these very things. And, of course, because they don't believe in the authority of the Word of God, they'll never come to the right solution. They'll no. just endless talking, endless chatter. They
0: will go on and on as to how to deal with this problem among the children. Mm-hmm. They'll never c- confront the fact that they have no such problems in Christian schools. True. Right. Mm-hmm. Yet they're endemic to the public schools. But they will not admit that as a nation and as schools, as
2: a people, we have abandoned God and we're yes. paying a
0: price for it.
2: Yes. It would be too painful for them, Rush. They'd be forced to question their own presuppositions, and of course
3: they don't want to do that.
1: None of these so-called experts on television want to admit the emperor has no clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right,
3: exactly. A lot of people, when people, you look at someone's lifestyle, their attitude isn't, they don't have a good theological perspective. Their attitude isn't, is this to the glory of God? It's, what's wrong with this? What's wrong yes. with that? Same questions that were being asked when I was a, a teenager. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? Rather than, you know, does this help me to glorify Absolutely. God? Does this contribute to, good to, point, to my, right? yeah. to my yeah. service in the kingdom of God? None of that. It's, well, really, What's after all, what's wrong with it? That's right. And everything's okay unless you can prove from the Bible, uh, mm-hmm. chapter and verse, why this is wrong. So all clothes are all right unless you can prove from the Bible why it's right. All music is okay mm-hmm. unless you can prove from the Bible why, why, it's, why it's really wrong. And so Christians have very immature idea of, of what their lifestyle should be, what what their tr- child rearing should be like, what they should be doing with their life. That's right. When I was young,
0: before World War II the time of World War I and thereafter, I as a boy was in and out of many homes, both when I was on the farm and later when I was in the city in the mid-twenties on to the beginning of the thirties. So I saw a fair amount of home life. They were not all devout churchmen, although in those days almost everybody went to church. The remarkable thing was that uh, the parents were adults. They were not given to temper tantrums. They did not emote and blow off. Uh, you heard of that sort of thing, but you never saw it. And... Uh, most of the kids felt that a frown from their parents was enough to make them quail. Now the parents are having temper tantrums all the time. The children are having them. Nobody thinks anything of it. And of course, temper tantrums and uh, stormy scenes are routine in films and especially on television. We are acting as though immaturity is natural yes. at all times and
3: to all peoples, and immorality too. Yes. You watch these ki- these situation comedies and such that are geared really for juveniles. It's uh, immorality is considered to be something that's normal, especially that's sexual immorality. Right. Right. Uh, they may talk about acting responsible just to keep. The networks and the um, advertisers happy, yeah. but they assume that that, that immorality is something that happens all the time. Right. Uh, when, when I was a kid, the popular shows reflected um, a previous generation, and uh, they really reflected ideas and situations that were sometimes outdated e- even then, like. Uh, the Andy Griffith show it. was a yeah. small town yeah. that was more it might have yeah. been more realistic in the 30s than, than it was really in the, in the 60s uh-huh. and um, today it's television seems to be trying to f- force the change um, to show the worst of society when you see shows like that Mark today what really strikes me is how
2: quiet and bland they are compared to these situation comedies today which are so bombastic mm-hmm. and loud and glitzy and showy which again is a mark of children mm-hmm. they're obsessed by you know constant motion
3: constant change change absolutely right.
1: well the marketing people uh, admit that uh, all of these shows on television are geared to 12 year olds yeah that's their that's their target audience yeah uh, as far as getting through but How many programs are there on television where the advertiser really associates him, the name of the company, with the content of the program? Most of the advertisers, uh, simply want access. They buy space based on how many people are going to be exposed to their advertising message with no regard to what the program is or, you know, how they're, how they're going to be perceived. Uh, in relation to the content of the program that's on there. I think there's only one exception to that, and that's the Hallmark Theater. Yeah. You know, that's the name of the program. Yeah. But that's the only exception. I can't think of any other program on television that where the product is the name of the program. Yeah,
3: right. they'll, they'll advertise it. Any, on any show, they'll promote any show if it helps their business. If the market's there, people are watching the show, they'll they'll put their commercials there. You, you, know,
2: you know another point? I mentioned Neil Postman's book,
3: Amusing Ourselves
2: to Death, Yes, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great work demonstrating that we have really become transformed from a word-oriented society to a visual-oriented society. And he points out the grave danger. He makes... The stark contrast between even the United States late last century, and now how everything is so visual oriented and colorful. Even the computers tend to be that way.
1: Well, Very. there's there's a, a, a sort of an under undercurrent of discontent among computer users because ever since, for instance, Microsoft, which is you know like having an elephant in a Volkswagen, decided to go with what they call GUI or graphic user interface. Uh, Really, as far as I'm concerned, uh, they have invented a, uh, uh, an operating system for a computer that is geared to the lowest common denominator of intelligence mm, that's because right. it's, it's no longer literal. I can't right. stand the thing. I had it on the computer for three weeks and I threw it in the trash because I want to read something and understand where I'm going with yeah. it. And not, it's like finger painting or painting pictures on cave walls.
2: Well. You know also made that point I don't recommend all of this man's writings at all but Jacques Ellul and the humiliation of the word it demonstrates that 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 precise point how that uh, words don't mean much anymore the only thing that means something is this immediate intuitive impression this existentialist impression uh, that cannot be mediated through words and language and that the point is that language is under assault and that's a whole different program we could yes. do but that's important
1: well the reason they're doing this is they want to capture you know, they understand that you've got to capture the youngest possible Absolutely. audience so that you've got a customer all the rest of their life. That's right. Uh, so that's the reason for the graphic user interface.
2: But... Um Reading is a liberating concept. If you teach children how to read, it's hard to propagandize them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can tend to think for themselves. You well know that. that." (laughs) No, we can't have that. That's the point. That's why we don't. We have to use, as Sam Blumenfeld has pointed out, Mm -hmm. we have to use the whole word uh, method to to harm their natural capacity for reading.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, of course, state
0: education, statist education, is a means of indoctrination. And one of the first things that Mussolini did when he gained power, was to create a national system yes. of state education. And with that, he had the minds of young and old.
1: Well, you yes. just described what we have. We, old old have, have we have a and national, and national state education because the Department of Education, which didn't even exist as a cabinet uh, <clears throat> a post, and the executive branch of government now now is at the head of the, the feeding chain. They're dictating sure. everything all the way down to the local school. There is no such thing as a local uh, yeah. control in schools anymore. Sure. They might decide when they need to get the roof fixed, but that's all yeah. the local school board does anymore. They have no power whatsoever, no say about content. Everything is dictated from on high.
0: Yeah. You know, when I first began my studies, which led to the book Messianic Character of American Education I was very strongly impressed by the fact that Horace Mann got his ideas of statist education from Prussia from a socialist agenda to create a socialist state by using the schools to indoctrinate the children and that's what we're getting the same thing oppressionized concept of society as a result of the state schools
1: well you know I get a chuckle out of the uh, these uh, conflict going on between people who are arguing over whether or not they should be teaching English uh, in the public school system or you know teaching foreign languages it almost doesn't matter anymore because they're not learning any language they're not learning anything very well
2: That's that's exactly right. Schools today are for not learning, but social engineering.
1: Well, they've become indoctrination centers. I mean, they're they're simply not schools in the classical uh, meaning of of the term. That's right.
0: Well, it is important that we recognize that apart from the Christian school and the home school, maturity is not taught in the whole of the educational system of the United States. It is geared to immaturity and to putting a wedge between parents and children so that you have a society in which the children, in effect, have a divorce from their parents and are no longer responsible and they no longer see the parents as a role model, now, if you want to be mature, you have to see parents as the model for your maturity. Right. And uh, this is no longer true of our public school children. They see the parent as an impediment. Everything in the school and in their entertainment, in television and films is anti-family. The results, as a result, are deadly. Back in the 1930s, someone wrote a book about the schools in Nazi Germany. The title was a remarkably good one. It was School for Barbarians. And what it did was simply to describe how, by striking out against Christianity and against the family, the Nazi schools were producing a generation of young barbarians. Now, they didn't have the time to develop the barbarians as much as we have had. We have followed the same course, especially since about 1960, And we do have barbarians that we have produced, a generation that, like the Nazis, is separated intellectually, morally, and culturally from their parents, and a generation that is separated from Christianity. Well, what more do you want? We are doing what Hitler could not continue to do, it's amazing how in many, many things we have imitated Hitler's program. The uh, abortion, euthanasia,
1: homosexuality,
0: homosexuality and of course his whole concept of education, separating the children from Christian faith and from the family. So, we are producing... Nazis. They may not see themselves as uh, as Nazis, but they are the same as the National Socialist Youth. They believe in nothing. They are worthless except in a destructive way. That's right. So we should not be surprised that children
2: are actually killing babies. That's right. Recently, of course, some of you may have heard about the was it the 12 to 14 year old boy that skinned the younger boy alive? It's just skinned alive. Yes, I can't remember the whole story. This was several weeks ago.
1: Well, what it means is that these kids now are so easy prey to the power of suggestion through television, through comic books. Uh, through the media that their minds are very pliable when they can commit right. a bar- barbarous oh. act like that without remorse
2: and there's no countervailing influence
1: no no they, uh, it, there but it, if there were countervailing influence they would have some remorse or something yeah, you know, they'd they think don't. about it before they did it but there isn't any countervailing force in their lives I was going to mention in the economic sphere how gullible people are they yes. watch ads on television of a silver haired individuals saying we make money the old-fashioned way when they're you know hawking uh, some financial institution or other and yet all of the financial institutions have failed have been guys that uh, like the guy who took the bearings bank down was 32 or 33 years old and uh, some of these other guys on Wall Street that uh, took some of these investment uh, houses down are 29 30 years old mm-hmm. and you know why would people invest their life savings uh You know, in a company and turn it over to relative kids who have never seen an economic downturn because they haven't lived long enough.
2: That's right. Another mark of immaturity is not just hatred of elders, but more broadly, Rush, a hatred of history. We have a very odd, anti-historical temper that thinks that uh, history began, you know, with this generation.
1: Began yesterday. Began yesterday. Yeah.
2: Yes, uh, or when they were or born. You know, them, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and this is um, true, of course, in the broader culture, and especially true in, in the church. There's an abysmal ignorance of the history of Christianity, and the history of the church, and the history of theology. And so that's why these new heresies tend to keep cropping up yes. all the time. Um, there aren't any new heresies, just old heresies and new clothes, but they keep mm-hmm. cropping up because people uh, don't know history.
1: Well, it's, it's endemic in politics, too, because, uh, you yes. know, you take a look at this bunch we got in the White House, and, you know, a more arrogant group you've never seen. Right. They feel that they're reinventing history. Yes. That, uh, you know, the, that... Uh, the, other countries that have fallen doing the same thing they just didn't get it right and these people are going to get it right
2: yeah Rush has read a book that so powerfully points that out Billington's fire in the minds of men there's always this attempt there's this obsession of these revolutionaries with this concept of fire constantly burning everything has to be new every generation Mm -hmm. you know and of course we've seen we suffer from the dregs of that in our own generation because those that have immediately before us were revolutionaries you referred earlier
0: to these uh, financial promoters. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is that in my lifetime, since I'm a little over 80, I've seen a dramatic change in that area. I recall widows of some years ago uh, telling me that Uh, their husband had researched the various companies and purchased shares before his death, a few years before, in certain companies and said, now stay with these. These are good money makers. Never sell them. In those days, the financial consultants were few and far between. The number of shares traded on the market on any given day was small. I can recall the amazement when it hit ten million shares. Mm-hmm. Now it's in the hundreds of millions every day. Mm-hmm. And it's a constant turnover. Turn em and burn em.
1: It's a bidding war.
0: <laughs> yes. And it's because the dividends are not really there so they're just trying to make it on the uh, speculative appreciation of the shares.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, this is a totally different world. It's a world lacking in maturity. The corporation does not have the maturity. It's given to this partly because of the federal policies and the requirement of quarterly reports so that long-term planning is out. And partly because we have a population that is immature. So, we have a very, very grimly unrealistic attitude towards the market, towards life, towards everything. We are immature. We want sudden wealth. Yeah. Sudden knowledge. Sudden this Absolutely. and that. Everything. And... Uh, Speed reading. Speed reading, yes. That's
1: that's a big hustle. (laughs) I've
0: talked to people who told me that they have on a particular subject pushed a button on their computer and they've had the reams of material. Mm -hmm. But on subjects that I know something about, they don't know anything. You don't get things by pushing a button. That doesn't put it in your head. That's right. And
1: their ability to absorb is not speeded up by the computer.
0: No, it is lessened because they have so much they can call up and they feel so highly intelligent. Mm -hmm. And they act as though I'm in the dark ages intellectually because I don't have that. Well, I'm glad I don't because it's a toy, basically. Mm -hmm. It's a toy whereby they conjure up this and that and they have the world at their fingertips and yet they still don't know much about anything.
2: You can read, but they can't think. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and then uh, they glance
2: through it. They're not used to studying. That's right. Well, Russ, that leads to something else, and that is a real lack of mental discipline. Um, if someone is going to be a good thinker, he has to be a disciplined thinker, yes. and that requires hard work. Yes and people just like to sort of, uh, we're in the soundbite generation, you know, they just like to grab information Mm -hmm. on the run, but scholars can't grab information on the run. They have to take time to digest it and think it over. And an immature generation doesn't want to do that.
0: Well, in certain circles in this country, intellectual circles, high up culturally, intellectually, educationally, the... uh, important thing is to read one or two of the prominent book review uh, tabloids. They are interested in reading about books rather than reading the books. They will discuss the book endlessly. It was some years ago that I learned that when they talk about the book and uh, condemn it, It's without knowledge. They've just read the review. And the reviews, I will admit, are now five and six tabloid pages long in some of these book review supplements. But they're still not the same as the book. And while some of them are excellently done, they follow a particular intellectually correct line. And they do not tell you necessarily what the book is about.
1: Well, it's because they, they, in college they read Cliffs Notes. I was you just going to say, digest, that. exactly. Digest <laughs> versions of uh, classic works, just to yeah. get, just to get the flavor of it and get through it quick.
3: A you mentioned the sound, sound bites, and, and being a sound bite generation. I've noticed in increasingly, I think it's, it's gotten much worse in the last few uh, election campaigns, how shallow the political campaigns are. Absolutely. From, from, from every side and every candidate. It's, That's right. I really think they're afraid to speak to the issues because they know the, the, too many voters no. don't make decisions based on, Absolutely. on anything firm. Mm-hmm. So they have to have well. campaign ads that are shallow.
2: And you can see that in the debates. The debates are a farce. And the more time is spent on how the hair looks and, you know, uh, the makeup. Yeah, and, uh, and Exactly. And saying good. something the right way. Exactly. Saying the right things. Or, or a couple of little slogans that will mm, capture right. people's imagination rather than substantive uh, discussion. Well, that's well, what the people want, and they deserve to have it.
1: People are now, uh, you know, they're at the point now in this campaign where they're going to be looking for scandals.
3: You know, they yeah, love there's no substance, love so you know. they're looking yeah. for scandal. Yeah, and that's one of the things that's that that, that is still effective because it's an emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. So and so's campaign ad- advertisement was dishonest or misleading, and so everybody's accusing every ad is the other ad was misleading. The other mm-hmm. ad was dishonest and they 're constantly flip flopping because it 's emotional reaction if you don 't have any opinion Absolutely. as to it, as to the issue involved in the campaign ad, because if you really believe something, you know where you stand probably before you ever saw an ad mm-hmm. yeah, but
1: I wonder if this is done intentionally to draw people 's uh, attention away from the issues, but people are can be drawn
3: away from the issues because of this lack of maturity, that's which lack right. of thinking. They Rush. don't think. They don't have any moral opinions. They that's don't believe right. something's right or wrong. They don't have any firm opinion about which way our country's going. That's right. It's yeah, like no you no can wonder. talk to some people and they sound like an arch-conservative one minute, mm-hmm. and if the subject changes slightly, they, they're they giving some socialistic line. That's, that's like Rush was
2: saying. They don't
0: mm-hmm.
3: think
2: logically. They don't, they don't understand. A few years ago, I had a
0: telephone call from an angry father in the South and a hurt and offended father, he had uh, some occasion to discuss something, and the name of Robert E. Lee came up, and his high school son dismissed Robert E. Lee with a very coarse epithet, very coarse. And the father was horrified and said, where did you learn that kind of talk? He said, oh, we learned about Robert E. Lee and all those uh, so-and-sos at school. Uh, The father was too dumbfounded to do anything about it. He was so shocked. And he called me to report on that. And I said, well, if you read the textbooks... You will begin to understand why your father, talk, a son taught like that. And the teacher would be much more blunt than the textbook. And I said, uh, this is not unusual. It's happening with regard to great figures in American history like George Washington, uh, Patrick Henry, as well as Robert E. Lee. And we should not be surprised.
1: They're no longer even mentioned in some history textbooks. Of course not. Their names don't even come up.
0: Mm -hmm. But there's another aspect to it. It is the disrespect for older men. That's right. For our men of the past who are not here to defend themselves. And this has become quite routine. Our whole educational system is dedicated to it. I know that back in the thirties, uh, there was a professor of history at Berkeley who was brought there as something of a prize because he had been a minor figure in Roosevelt's brain trust in his first term, the uh, first couple of years, actually. Well. The uh, interesting thing was the man quickly was out of favor with the rest of the faculty, with the instructors and the section leaders uh, who were students, graduate students, because he thoroughly uh, admired... Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Now, I was never for a moment a pro-FDR man. But from the training I received at home, you did not speak of anyone with disrespect. You could speak critically, but not disrespectfully. And it wasn't the critical aspect, it was the disrespectful aspect that marked the rest of the faculty. Uh, Roosevelt, for them, was too conservative. They were socialists to the core, and uh, as a result, they despised Roosevelt. Well, this kind of common disrespect has become routine in the political sphere. That's right now granted there, uh, we have had men in politics who are ungodly and immoral men but that does not uh, entitle them to anything other than respect for their office they can be tried for their offenses they can be held accountable for them by the proper authorities but uh, The kind of contempt and routine disrespect that our educational system now instills in children is very scary. At the same time, it's tied with an adulation if someone is the teacher's hero so that they will be uncritical and unintelligent about politicians and the teachers. Think highly of and totally contemptuous of all others, and neither attitude is sensible. But we do have schools for barbarians all around us.
1: Well, teachers today uh, uh, exalt revolutionaries uh, of almost any kind, yeah true. and uh, maturity and uh, mature thinking is considered an obstruction. Uh I don't know who said it, but, uh you know, the smart man learns from his own mistakes and the wise man learns from the mistakes of others. And when you forget that the only way you can get wisdom is through experience yes. and making mistakes. You know, you're going to make mistakes in order to learn. And the only people who know anything, uh, you know, are the people that have been around for a while. Yeah.
2: Oh, Rush, our whole... Um language has been polluted and corrupted too. There's a great deal of of crudeness and obscenity in language today that was not as prominent, uh, I believe, 50 to 100 years ago. From the my experience of my reading, um, the English language itself has become bitterly corrupted, and um, good diction is really eschewed in a lot of quarters, uh, even by political figures and People that one would think uh, should know better. But that too is a mark of immaturity, childishness, the use yes. of slang, and all that sort of thing.
1: Well, the thing that's uh, changed radically in my lifetime is that, you know, I can remember, you know, kids in the neighborhood, their mothers would wash the kid's mouth out if he said yeah. anything. Yes. No, the, the, the mothers are as foul mouthed as, that's right. as uh, any long I mean, they're. Uh, and they they pass it on to the kids and kids think nothing of it sometimes the kids will, in uh... you know in a larger social group they'll say something off color and the uh... the mother will uh... you know say something to the kid but it's it's hypocritical because at home you know where it counts when they're away from the social setting why uh... there's no restraint whatsoever Uh, that's true Some of these kids, you, you hear them talk to their parents in the supermarket, and you just think, you know, it just sets my teeth on edge. You
0: know, yes, yes, and you hear uh, <laughs> new terms all the time. I, uh, they invent new words, so mm-hmm. all of which express contempt. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's impossible now to keep up with it. Well, they get a
1: lot of that yeah. from television and uh, uh, these... Uh, uh, cop shows, you know, uh, the term became fashionable, uh, dirtbag and turkey and all of these mm-hmm. uh, demeaning terms that uh, sometimes uh, unprofessional people in law enforcement use as a means of dehumanizing the people that they deal with so that they don't have any emotional uh, problem yeah. uh, uh, with handling them. But, uh, unfortunately, when this gets out on television, the kids pick it up and, uh, everyone is dehumanized. There's, mm-hmm. and, you know, the respect is gone. Uh, there's no respect for life, there's no respect for people.
0: Well, on the positive side, in the Christian and homeschool movements, we see a rapidly growing younger generation of a totally different character. They show maturity by the eighth grade that our university students in secular institutions do not have. They show a respect, a willingness to learn, and an appreciation of what they're getting that is refreshing. Yes. So I think we can take heart because the future belongs to us. Yes. Well, our time is almost up. Is there a last statement or two that each of you would like to make? Oh.
1: Well, I've, <laughs> in the past few years, you know, I've gotten interested in uh, prospecting and so forth. And I found a curious thing. The only people who know anything about it have silver hair. <laughs> because they found out from experience. And I've had to seek out the 70-year-olds the and the 80-year-olds to find out anything authoritative on the subject because they've been there and done it. And I think that that can be extended to almost any other sphere of life. If you want to find something out and uh, talk to somebody who's already made the mistakes and found out what works, then you'll know something.
3: That's right. I, th- I think maturity is basically... A spiritual problem. Yes. If, if you have the concept of what God expects of you in life, and that God expects something of you in life, and that you're responsible to God, it's going to change your attitude. You're not going to be so self-centered. And immaturity is basically a self-centeredness. That's right. Yeah. Yes.
0: Very well put. Mm-hmm. Well, our time is about up. Thank you all for listening, and God bless you.